All right, so to begin, I would like to read for you the lectionary psalm and the lectionary gospel for today, the fourth Sunday of Easter in year A. Here's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God makes me lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside still waters. God restores my soul. God leads me in paths, in right paths, for God's name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of, the, of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. And here's John 10. This is the words of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold but by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. And the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We hear the voice of the divine in the reading of this sacred text. Thanks be to God. Well, I, I had a little funny moment. I had a few funny moments in the writing of this, um, this sermon, but I found it kind of funny that in so many scriptural metaphors, humans are the sheep. Because the other day I was talking to my friend Rhonda, and Rhonda has a horse ranch outside of town. And in addition to horses, she has cows and pigs and goats and even like a couple of donkeys. And she used to have sheep, but she said she couldn't stand them because she said, she's like, they're just too stupid. They are just dumb as rocks and more trouble than they're worth, according to her. So I had a chuckle Monday morning when I opened up the lectionary and I read these passages in which humans are assigned sheep-like qualities because, I mean, it's true that sometimes we do really dumb things like allow our soil, air, and water to be polluted with industrial chemicals and so many other various like really stupid things we have by which we harm ourselves. And uh, truly, we do need a shepherd because sometimes we're dumb as rocks. And we hold that intention with, you know, also the fact that we're uh, brilliant and intelligent creatures and we're not sheep, but we kind of are. Uh, and sometimes we think we're on top of the food chain, but a dose of humility tells us that we are sheep sometimes. 
So um, this John 10 passage, I've heard uh, interpreted so many times from a lens of in versus out. Like either you're in the gate, in the pen, and you're in with Jesus, or you're out and you're in league with rascals and bandits and you are a stranger. And I'm just tired of that, especially since I learned about what's called bounded set versus centered set theory. Um, I first learned about that about a dozen years ago, and that idea has transformed a lot of my thinking over the years about faith and religion. So I wanted to share with you just kind of a definition of centered set and bounded set. So listen to this. Hang on. from howwelead.org. Paul Hybert from Fuller Seminary discovered in the 1970s that when people come together to solve a problem, they often have a closed circle philosophy or what he called a bounded set. A bounded set thinker asks the question, do you believe like I believe? This becomes a divisive question because it separates those who are in from those who are out limiting people who are allowed to work on the problem to those who sign off on an agreed-upon belief, whether it's political, religious, or some other type of personal conviction, unless you believe what we believe, you can't work on the problem. A more productive way to look at problem-solving relationships is an open philosophy Hybert referred to as centered set. A centered set has no boundary that defines who is in and who is out. The question that determines if you are part of the problem-solving group is simply, do you care about what I care about? This philosophy works because it is inclusive of all belief systems and focuses on the matter at hand. Are you concerned about the problem we want to focus on? So you can peek inside the worship guide to see a couple of diagrams of what this means, which may just be helpful, I hope. And this idea of bounded set versus centered set is something that Matt and Aurelia and I refer to a lot um, with various metaphors surrounding it. So you've probably heard us talk about it at some point or other if you spend any time around Peace of Christ Church. Centered set community is why we are able to include people who have varying beliefs. It's why we're able to partner with interfaith organizations it's why we offer communion in such a radically welcome, welcoming way in our gatherings. Centered set community is not a prescription. Rather, it asks the question, are you working toward what I'm working toward? Yes. Then our differences of theology, our ways of doing things, or our ego priorities, they're just less important. We don't need your assent, you to assent to this particular theological framework or jump through these seven hoops. We're just asking the question, are you working toward a more just, peaceful, and abundant world? Yes? Then we should work together, right? So if we think of this passage in John 10, it's very tempting, I think, to do what most of the preachers that I've ever heard do and see it as a bounded set. You are in or out of the sheepfold according to whether you give assent to right belief and follow right practice. 
And I had a bit of an epiphany this week when I was drawing my doodle, and I realized that I could reinterpret this passage and this sheepfold from a centered set perspective. I could stop solely seeing Jesus as the one who lets me inside the gate and instead see Jesus as the one who lets me out. The line says in verse 10, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow because they know his voice. I think that's pretty brilliant. Jesus leads us out. Jesus lets us out of the gate and shows us the way to the wide open green pasture where the abundance is. The abundance is not necessarily inside the closed, limited, safe pen, though we don't always realize that when we're in there. For instance, I can look back on times in my life when I was less free than I am now. And I can see from here, in hindsight, that I was trapped in fundamentalism, in people-pleasing, in patriarchal gender ideas, in patterns of judgment of people who didn't live or believe like I was raised to, in white supremacy. And I can see from this vantage point what I couldn't see then. And I thought that the pittance of nourishment the empire doled out to me was plenty to maintain how small I was because I had no concept of the largesse of abundance. And I think Jesus is saying, I have some ways of thinking that you haven't considered yet. And when you open up your mind beyond binary thinking, beyond bounded set, beyond dualism, beyond empire and colonialism, beyond patriarchy and white supremacy and unconscious capitalism, you can let yourself out of the cage. You don't have to spend your whole life fearfully hiding in empire's cage. Now, Christ was speaking here to people who, much like us, had no experience living inside anything but empire. The Roman Empire was occupying their territory, their country. It was manipulating their economy and their livelihoods in profound ways. Empire's way is always, always violence. Empire relies upon violence, often in the form of military might, to uphold itself. Empire confiscates what it wants, applies rules of ownership, controls resources, and always, always oppresses some portion of its population. There is always a hierarchy within empire, and there's always an enemy of the empire. Empire is always a bounded set. So, like us, the people who were listening to Christ speak understood in verses out. They, they got, they understood us versus them and mine ver- versus yours, which is binary thinking. And they understood scarcity and that there was never enough to go around and they understood boots on their necks. Unlike many of us, especially those of us who are privileged and white, These people were an overtly oppressed people. But like us, 
They were oppressed both in ways they understood and in ways they weren't cognizant of, right? Because like white supremacy oppresses us all. It overtly oppresses the marginalized and covertly oppresses the oppressor by limiting our, all of our experience of abundance and connectedness. Bounded sets oppress both the insiders and the outsiders. And I'm listening to Jesus, and I think that Jesus came to say, you don't understand that you're being oppressed by your own limitations of thought and consciousness. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly, and I can free you from your mind trap and your preconceived notions about how the world works and about who's in and who's out and who belongs and who doesn't and who's good and who's bad. And I came to show you, I think says Jesus, what green pastures look like, what shared resources look like, what community looks like, what non-judgment looks like, what generosity looks like, what getting off of the hamster wheel of subsistence and achievement and people-pleasing and learning to rest looks like. We've been stuck in this tiny consciousness of violent empire ego, whose tool is often fundamentalist religion. And Jesus wants us to know that there is another better way another better place to live, and that is in the green pastures of the kingdom of God, which Christ says over and over is right here near to us. We have only to grasp it. And in this talk in John 10 about sheep and pens and gates and pastures, Jesus is telling us once again that we can find our way out of the cage of empire and broken systems by following his lead. He says, I don't mind cracking the gate open for you. I've figured out how to get into true abundance that doesn't rely on violence to survive. I know the way out of here, out to where the pastures are lush and the water is sweet and where there's enough for everybody to share and where sheep of all sizes and shapes and colors and inclinations can find rest from all the expectations empire has ever put on them. Where oppressed people can find freedom. Listen, I'm here in this work. This work of wrenching myself free of empire's priorities and constraints. Birthing myself millimeter by millimeter into this unfettered, uninhibited, wild freedom into the sacred ordinary and the eternal now and into my own uh, largeness, as Sue Monk Kid puts it. And I'm sure that 10 years from now, I will look back to now and be able to see ways that I'm not free. And what I do, okay, what I do and what each of us does to free ourselves, we do for each other because we are part of an interconnected and interrelational flock. And as Jesus frees himself in resurrection from the jaws of death, so we are freed. And we echo and imitate that freedom work 
and perpetuate it by following his path of forgiveness and peace. Jesus forgives violence and empire and refuses their hold on him in his resurrection. He opens the gate and we follow him out of it into our own work of liberating ourselves from ego and empire and into sacred communities of abundance and peace. And when we learn to think in terms of abundance, of centered set community, of working toward common good, of green pastures and still waters for all, as it says in Psalm 23. When we get the hang of Jesus' way of thinking, this is when we start to change the world. This is when our freedom becomes contagious and our imaginations birth new realities out where hope is abundant. So, this is my abundant hope for this collective moment that we are in. My hope is that our eyes are awakened to the sheepfold we've been penned up in. That this whole coronavirus pandemic won't be for nothing, but will serve to make us conscious of ways we are caged by empire. And that we will courageously follow Christ out of the gate and into abundant life into the fertile soil of green pastures and of clean, plastic-free still waters and of unpolluted fresh air and tender care for each member of our human flock. Jesus invites us, and I invite us also, on this journey of awakening and liberation. Amen. Amen.